G'day golfers. Ever found yourself redirecting blame and making excuses after having an absolute shocker on a golf course? I know that I have. Range was closed, I was a little cold, didn't warm up, I hit it in those three old divots. Then we have the podcast for you. We focus on how to fundamentally own your swing. Strike it pure and consistently shoot in the 70s. Be it if you're a weekend hack, retired and playing daily, a school phenom or a tour professional. We present and discuss facts and physics pertaining to golf, trying to keep our ego and opinion at bay. We dispel myths such as keep your head down, bend your knees, or my all-time favourite game improvement irons. So stop drinking that mythical Kool-Aid and have a sip of ours. I think you'll find it both inspiring and refreshing. I'm Scott Young, founder of Swing, PGA professional and ex-tour player. And together with physical therapist Dr. Sean Joyce, Welcome to Pivot the Path. G'day golfers. SJ, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing, Scotty? Uh, I am all right. The boss and I had a good trip in. It's a balmy, what, 38 degrees? It's heating up. We're yeah. Just talking about. Yeah, the cold spell seems to be turning Did you uh, walk up or did no, you scoot it yeah. up? Yeah, it, it was a smooth ride. You didn't bring to the your puffer, dude. dude. Where's your... I got layers. How's the week? Uh, really good. You guys ducked away. Where did you uh, duck out on the weekend? Down to, to North Carolina. Uh, and so close from here. I'm thinking of, you know, golf trips, Pinehurst, all that. Just now 80 we, minute flight to Charlotte. We did have a little bit of New York. Uh, you had a bit of flight issues. Yeah, big time. So uh, that was the snow came in, what, Friday? Friday morning. The snow was done, though. It's just Did they issues. tell you along the way that you were delayed? or? Yeah, like every 30 minutes. A little delay, delay, delay. So they just string you along and, mm. and makes a long day. Did they give you a free cup of tea? Not much. No. <laughs> no more no more vouchers since COVID. Mate, news from the fairway. We had a big week. Like awesome weekend. Massive week. And I think very proudly and, and our our immediate community of, of members and actually non members. I was on the NYU radio last night. So I'm down with Dr. Cordo and thanks so much, Dennis, for having me down at NYU. I, I just love being part of that community and they had heard about the podcast and we've been pretty consistent about wanting to move on from Tiger, and this week, wow, what a yeah. bam! Move Some on from awesome, Tiger. So yeah, young, characters uh, coming in, and yeah, awesome yeah, storylines yeah. developing right now. Yeah, so it was just fantastic. Young Dunlap, Nick. He was a pleasure to watch. He was really twenty cool years of age at yeah. Alabama. Yep, sophomore at Alabama. Only uh, golfer other than Tiger to win the U.S. Junior, junior and the U.S. Uh, amateur. amateur and the U.S. Amateur, and yep. then as an amateur. Went on tour. Went, went on tour. Which second youngest person ever to win on tour? Jordan Spieth was the youngest. I mean, just by a couple months too. Uh, I, I just—it's about time our industry moves on from Tiger and and this kid. Unfortunately, as a twenty-year-old, he's got a lot of pressure. So yeah, as we do on the podcast, let's back it up a little. So what does he actually win? Well, he foregoes the four million. That goes to number two. So mm-hmm. South African chap uh, who I can't even. That all goes to number two. That I wasn't goes, sure where that. Yeah, that goes to number two. So basically, oh, when you've got a him. tournament, let's say you're playing for a hundred dollars, eighteen percent goes to the winner, yeah, and then you take that out, and then eighteen percent of what's left goes to the second, and then eighteen percent of what's left, and it just keeps breaking down. So mm-hmm. uh, he's forgotten the cash. He's forgotten the uh, FedEx points. Yep. Unless he does have a thirty-day grace period from when he won on Sunday to if he's turning pro, so they've given him thirty days. Cool. I believe wikis don't check me, but I believe he's got 30 days to grow. The money's gone. He, he yeah, yeah, played as an yeah. Amateur. But I believe he's got a 30 day grace period where he can take those 
FedEx points if he turns pro. Okay. If he doesn't turn pro in the 2024 season, mm -hmm. actually, this surprised me. When I was out playing PGA Tour win, I believe, for memory, had a 10-year exemption, maybe okay. five years. Yeah. He's only got a two-year exemption. two years, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't have quick. to... It's quick, right? He doesn't have yeah. to alert this year if he wants to play. Yeah. He can alert the tour uh, at the end of this season if he wants to play next season. Yep. And I believe he then can also alert at the end of next season if he wants to play the season after. So he's got two or three years yeah. to So he could, in make theory, he's sophomore now, finish up his degree, and then go pro. Yes, correct. In 2026. And as the U.S. amateur current, he will get British Open, Masters, U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. The PGA, he might get a sponsor's invite, but probably not. Uh, and he'll get that. He'll get a U.S. Open and a Masters invite, whether he goes pro or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, what yeah. a great what a great story. Yeah, so pretty cool for him. Big decisions to make for the young man. I saw he forewent or is going to forego playing in the, the Farmers. Uh, he said he just wants to go home, spend time with family, probably think about all of this stuff and really make a big Yes, this is ironic. The young kid who you met yesterday, we yep. had in here, flew up from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Shout out to, to that family. They're wonderful people. Uh, they hung out with him a couple of weeks ago uh, from yeah. Alabama. Yeah, they said he's just a wonderful young guy, which makes me so happy. Yeah. Just a really good kid. So I hope, to be honest, I hope a management company doesn't get their grubby mitts on him and I hope they just let their family take a breath yeah. Take stock, Soak it in a bit. take a couple of weeks yeah. and go, right, what's the best? And here's a funny conversation. So I spoke to this person's, uh, this young kid's parents yesterday and they said, what would you do? And then I spoke to uh, a doctor last night at NY, NYU and I said, conservatively, I hope he goes back to school. Yeah. And everyone else is like, no, I hope he goes pro. Go do it. Yeah, yeah which is interesting, which is interesting. Yeah. So, So that's cool. I just... As a golf nut, we love it. And it's yeah. so nice to have a young kid just stand up and go six foot putt for par. Got I must it. have practiced that six foot putt to win a PGA Tour, which I never unfortunately got on. But <laughs> yeah, everyone's done it in their head, right? How many times has he done that? A thousand, it's amazing. 10, and I, if anyone was watching live or reruns, it was really exciting because the last two holes, Sam Burns had a one foot or one And what a great lead. kid he is as well. Yeah, but he put two balls in the water off 17 and 18 tee each one of each of course so he double bogeyed the last two holes and just i mean for for nick dunlap he was so close the whole time and he was pretty unfazed yeah. from what i could see but he had to be frothing a little bit yeah, thinking, oh, man, opportunities here all he had to do is you know par last hole and he wins outright yeah. um and he was was so calm and collected considering the stakes so i thought it was super impressive yeah it's it's, it's an amazing time why, why do we watch sport i watch sport because i've had a glimpse of it and I never experienced that absolute adrenaline of winning a PGA Tour event. Like yeah. you watch these guys and they go from like Nick was so calm and then literally the floodgates just, open, yeah, tears, yeah, overflow. It's just amazing. And then in a little bit of a comparison, we compare that to a little bit of LPGA Tour that the LPGA lacks that little bit of spark. You know, mm -hmm. Lydia Ko, shout out to you. She's amazing. She mm -hmm. won like a 21st LPGA event. Yeah. She wins the uh, the the event out there uh, with the the uh, tournament of champions, mm -hmm. and then uh, Rory, Rory just the machine. Yeah, back on if Rory can and his team can approach a major like a tour event. Oh, I 
mean, the floodgates were open. Yeah, he's hard to beat if he's... Uh, I still come like back that. to the Rory's comment when he was with Tiger, and I remember his interview. This is coming from Rory's lips. And I remember when he was at Tiger's house and he was explaining how little Tiger cared about the tour events uh-huh. and how his emotional arousal level didn't understand how little Tiger associated with the tour event said yeah. differently. Rory held so, in such high regard to win a tour event. Uh-huh. And Tiger said, dude, I don't care. Just masters. I've got, in, I've in got majors. PGA That's all US I care about. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think until majors. Rory gets his head around that, which apparently it appears he hasn't still, I think it's still going to be tour event. Who cares? Win. Yeah. A, a major. And he just gets nervous, obviously. Yeah. So hopefully he sorts out his uh, nerves. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of where we're at. So DP2 is off. Rory's mm-hmm. clearly going to be doing well. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting to LPGA, see. LPGA, there's some interesting stuff going on, but PGA Tour. Yeah, some good storylines. What story a breath of fresh air. And as yeah. we talked about last week, uh, we'll check in on Will's Outdoors, how we did this week. But Yeah, so Will did pretty well, right? He yeah. came tied 34th at 18 under. 18 under, so. That's a, that's a nice little paycheck. Trending, yep. Nick didn't take the winner's circle. Yeah, it's true. Everyone got a little extra cash in their Everyone pocket. Everyone got some to, extra uh, cash. And yeah. Harry uh, Harrison Endicott, the chap who grew up at uh, at my local track in Sydney. Harry did yeah. well. Harry came uh, tied 17th. Yep. Uh, tied 30, 39th at 17 under. Yeah. So Harry's away. I think he gets, what's he get for that? 120 grand. You're basically working towards maintaining your tour card of, I think it's about 1.2 you need to keep your I tour card these days. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a number I remember in my head as well. So there, Will's doing all right, which yeah. leads us to kind of what we're talking about today for all, all you guys out there. And and it's just as looking back at Will last week, you a light bulb went off in me, which was quite interesting. I've been down at the hospital for about, what, five or six years, uh, and we've opened here for three years. And one thing that I've acknowledged is that the world's greatest golf stretch, and you can jump online and research this, is this so-called hip flexor stretch. And then you said something interesting to me last week in which spawned what we were going to talk about today mm-hmm. was, yeah, but Youngie, you've got crazy mobility, but the question that I'm coming from, so Scott's coming from, here's a great stretch to improve your pelvic tilt, which will influence hip mobility. Mm-hmm. Remember, guys and girls, they're different. Your pelvis tilts, your hips turn. And then you said, but my job is to work out why they need to keep doing that stretch. So in a perfect world, Mm -hmm. you would like to see that all the swing community actually don't have to continually do that stretch because they've got a better platform. Yeah. So if you, for instance, you know, I know there's a lot of people in here and we're talking about hip flexors. So we'll use that as the example. But if your hip flexors are always really tight and you stretch them out, and then they get tight again really quick, then for me, there's a little bit of a red flag going off as to, well, why do your hip flexors need to be so tight all the time? Like, why is your brain keeping them engaged even at rest? So if we could rather than just say, okay, well, stretch it out, it's tight, stretch it. You say, well, why are the hip flexors being held so tight? And can we address that so that they don't turn back on right after you stretch them? So maybe they can get to a point where they actually stay relaxed at rest. Yeah, so this is fascinating. So Sean said to me he, i said we had a uh, with you know we're exploding here having you know people join left right and center and then you said to me or i said to you rather do you like me doing this particular exercise on that new client last week and you said well i do but youngie acknowledged that to swing a golf club when i grab a seven i'm like right now at five o'clock in the morning 
I can come from the inside, whatever you like, two, three, four, five, 10, 15. I can come from the outside, two, three, four, five, 15. So I can hit exactly the shot you need at whatever the club. You said, because I've been doing it a long while, but also I've got a body that would appear to be able to move. Yeah. And mobility. you said to me, which was honestly, mate, it was fantastic. You said, explain to that, that chap, that member, that you can give him that hip flexor stretch in the moment he's going to be able to swing better. But as soon as he leaves the, the front door, he's back to where he started. And so we wanted to discuss what that looks like and explain that whilst there are some fantastic movements that, it, that you should do and, and you should get screened, what we're trying to do here is set the tone of, well, why do you need to do that movement? Let's just change it. Yeah. And it kind of in my eyes, the way I look at it is, you know, your brain's a control center of everything. So it has a strategy to control your body and get you to do the things that you want to do. So uh, if we can, instead of fight that brain strategy of, oh, the hip flexors are tight for a reason, let's stretch them out. It's go, well, why don't we change the strategy, replace one that's maybe not the most efficient, maybe it's putting stress on joints or causing some sore lower back. And let's replace it with a whole new strategy. So your brain then can let go of that hip flexor tightness and then start to use something in place of it that's actually better for your body and maybe better for your golf swing. Yeah, so we're doing a fantastic thing in about an hour. I'm going to get screened by Sean. So what we continually do here at Swing is we continually screen and look at our clients. So we're always evaluating if we screened Scott six months ago, what does Scott look like in, or three months ago, what does Scott look like in three months? Yeah. Is Sean's work providing tangible improvement on measurable motion? thoracic spine ability to you know turn on the glutes mm -hmm. so you're going to screen me in about an hour or yeah, so i can't and then wait i jump on a plane to it's been a little while since the pga we, uh... the pga show yeah so yeah what i'm going to ask from you is if i'm jumping on a plane i'm going to walk around the convention center thursday and then yep. play stream song friday mm -hmm. What do you see that can get me to enjoy my golf at eight o'clock on Friday morning? Yeah. So after flight, walking flight, around, sit, taxi. you're going to be sleeping in a new bed. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to be able to show up on that first tee and, and you feel good. You're not thinking about your body or stiffness. Yeah. So where do you think yeah. this goes? How do you, what would you like to see a pivot as we, as we do? What would you like to see a pivot in how we approach clients in here to talk to them about that message a little more? Yeah. So I think it's, um, it's more committing to a process of like, we're trying to change how your body moves. So there's a big aspect I think that's left out a lot of times is the neurological side of, of so why your we, body does talk, what it does. Maybe dumb that down because yeah, that's pretty yeah. intense. So for instance, like if we just think of muscles and bones and you go, okay, well, the bones don't move well here, they're tight and the muscles are tight here or these ones are strong, it can be good and bad. There are things you can address with that. Okay, muscles tight, let's stretch it. But the whole reason behind all of that and what's controlling it is your neurological system in your brain. So if we can get the, the brain to then change strategy, which is more of a long-term fix and requires a different approach, then in theory, you could come in here, even from sitting at your desk or ice cold, step up to a bay and, and hit a ball perfectly, um, come from the inside, hips move, all that without which is having what I to can warm do, up. Yeah. Which is a, but it's hard. Is it a, is it a, or you've done it because you've hit, hundred thousand balls mm -hmm. or do i have a body that moves or do you think there's a bit of combination of, combination. of both for sure uh and so we want everyone's like resting state in their body to be one where you have movement already if you have to go through a big warm-up then there's a couple things that's a red in your flag system that are yeah yeah causing stress tightness 
um, and holding you back from moving well. So, of course, like you, it's good to warm up. You always for you know the best performance, you should do a few things, get your body moving. Uh, but you shouldn't have to to hit a ball well. Yeah, is kind of my theory. Is you know I think now after going through a lot of this and working with golfers and, and picking up some knowledge along the way is uh, I do a lot less stretching than you know used to, especially with my clients too. And and when I say that. It's like the, okay, sit there, try to touch your toes for a minute, that kind of stretching, the static stretching. So do a ton of mobility work, um, but a lot of it is neurological and teaching your brain how to control a movement better or use different muscles to do it. So maybe talk about when you got out of PT, and this all came from, uh, SJ had a, had a young client last, last week, and he came for a screen, lots of red flags. This kid particularly swung the club pretty well. And you said to me as he was leaving, oh, he, he can't use his toes, he can't feel his feet yeah which is neurological or is that yeah so it sounds like he he had mentioned it was uh also genetic thing like because his father is the same thing their their toes stay curled up that's Um, bizarre but to me you know then i was like okay well let's dive into it a little bit deeper and there's actually no issue in structural you know the bone movement or his muscles ability to actually flatten the toes out yeah when he's laying there um his toes are curled up but when he stands they really curl up and crank back Interesting. So to me, it's a bit more of like this strategy his his brain is using to to control his body, and and it feels like it's got to really grip with those toes to give him the stability he needs. And to your standing. point, you could fix the root problem. Sorry, you could fix the band aid, mm-hmm. but not until you teach the brain a different pattern. Yeah. Does this chap walk out the door and actually start to see improvement? Yeah. So we could get him doing say stuff in the gym where okay, his toes relax and they're hitting the ground properly. But then he goes to hit a golf ball or goes walking down the street and toes come right back up. Sure. And no change has been made. So kind of my focus is let's try and get these like changes of addressing the root cause to stick. Yeah. And then that becomes your new normal as opposed to let's get you in a position where you can hit the ball well for five minutes, but then you lose it. So let's talk about then how you came out of PT school and you've had some serious injuries. Yeah. Uh, Maybe dumb it down and, and give us a little bit of a macro view of without getting too in Texas or yeah, we're all yeah. uh, PT Muppets. We don't know what you do. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, talk about how, how this all came about. Yeah. So a lot of me getting uh, to the point where we're at now and addressing these things has been through a lot of self-exploration and trying to fix my own body. You know, I've always kind of believed if I'm going to help people deal with their issues, I should have an understanding of, of what they feel. And I've had plenty of issues myself. So um, like we talked about, I played lacrosse in college and a lot of wear and tear, you know, through that. I think when I had finished up and then I went into grad school and just sat at a desk for three years straight, um, it really like exaggerated all of the the issues I had in my body. And I mostly did broken bones and had a lot of like tightness in areas and lower back pain, but nothing that was like big blown out ligaments like ACL, yeah. mostly broke bones and stuff. So yeah. Um, I was in, and I'll try and make this as digestible as possible, but in like a systematic state of compensation. So my hips were held in a bit of torsion going one direction. My upper body and rib cage, thoracic spine was in a state of twist. Any lacrosse related? Yeah. So I think part of that is habits from lacrosse and that over the top kind of how you shoot the lacrosse ball. Um, which I've I've now come to learn really not conducive to playing good yeah, golf. Lacrosse it's, and hockey are probably and baseball are the three worst sports for yeah. golf. Yeah, and you ingrain that habit, so it's difficult to change it. Uh, but I realize that my body's really in the way. So I know where I want to get in the golf swing body position wise. 
um, and effectively how to do it. But to get my brain to let me do it has been the difficult part. Sure. So a lot of it is is kind of for one, I'm in this state of twist. You know, if you look at you know, any like medical chart where they have the anatomical structure standing there and they're dead straight, straight on. shoulders or even hips are level. Sure. And I was quite the opposite. Yeah. Hips all out of sorts, but also twisted and same with the torso to counterbalance. So I had to kind of go through and figure out how to fix that stuff. And, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole with a bunch of different continuing education and other things that are even a little bit more off the beaten path. Yeah, we love off um, the beaten path. I'm happy to learn anything from anywhere. But um, it's helped me get to a point where, okay, now I understand first what the heck position am I in? So yeah. you've got to learn how to assess it, which is where we start people in here. And then, you know, one step at a time, how do you unpack that and start correcting things? And then you go to the next level. I've layer. noticed when you're with a client, I've been around me personally, physical therapy for 25 years. Uh, and I've noticed you get the client to do less motion and watch more. Whereas a lot of other physical therapists will get them to do 10 tests that are really damn difficult that arguably anyone could fail. Whereas you just literally watch how they stand. Where yeah. are you getting information? Yeah. I remember I was at Avondale. This, this instant uh, kind of shaped me to be a parent. And, and obviously I was a lifeguard. Long story short, third hole, guy off the fourth tee, shanks one, hits a man in the temple. They call 911. Ambulance got to Avondale Pro Shop in about eight minutes, nine minutes. I jumped in the ambulance, went down to the third, which is quite a ways. It's a good two and a half mile, mile. And I remember we're in the ambulance and the guy's still on the ground and he was elderly. And I said to the guy, he's over there, let's go. And he didn't move. He didn't answer. He just stayed there. And I said, oh, he's just over here, mate. And then the guy eventually got out of the ambulance after about 15 to 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. No, not even. That's, that's exaggeration. He was there for about five or six seconds. Yeah. And after he treated him, the guy was fine. We moved on. I said, why did you spend so much time in the ambulance? I was 22. I was super young. Mm -hmm. And he said, when I go to a car accident, he used a car. I'll never forget this. He said, the ones who are quiet are always the ones who are worse off. Mm -hmm. The ones who are noisy are always the ones who are in pain. Yeah. But they're probably not life-threatening. Yeah, yeah. And my brain and my arousal are level will always go to the one who's noisy. Yeah. Whereas oftentimes it's the one who's quiet that I should be going to. He said, I've learned, this guy was a little older. Yeah. He said, I've learned to take 10 seconds and assess. Really fascinating. Really fascinating. Yeah. I'm the guy that's going to go straight in. Oh, you know, I'm a little bit spazzy at times. Yeah. Stop. And so I've tried to acknowledge that I am a little spazzy and hyper and mobile in both <laughs> body and brain. <laughs> Learn to stop. Yeah. And I think one thing, you know, taking it back uh, to all those PGA guys and, and looking looking at young Nick, he was so calm. Yeah. You know? And just going through his process. Going through it's the like, process. You know, even I saw they, they were talking about his last putt and his caddy was like, it's just a six-footer. Just, just a another six one. You've done this millions of times. So like you with Nick's putt, you've learned to say, well, maybe instead of getting people to have a stretching program, mm -hmm. my role is to work out if we can actually change the manner in which the brain tells the muscles to either activate or turn off, mm -hmm. then the stretching pattern will be needed less. Therefore, the longevity of movement will increase. Yeah. Is that a fair way? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if you have to keep redoing something over and over again, then you're not making a change. It's like the Band-Aid fix. So yeah. 
Instead, if we can, let's break it all the way down to the base level. What is the source of this stuff? Let's address that and then just keep adding layers onto that until now you have a whole new normal of where your body stays at baseline, how it moves. And, and then you can really make some changes that you can build on instead of you're always fighting this one thing that's holding you back. And we know that the human brain will always resort to where it's comfortable. What it's used to, yeah. Yeah. So your uh, ethos here is that ideally in a perfect world, I'll eventually let you just set you free like a gazelle. Go out in the game park and off you go. Figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, then you just teach the body to move in a way where, for one, my goal is always to, to help you to understand and feel what's actually going on in your body. So usually when we start, especially when I find these, you know, compensation patterns and whatnot, there's so much clutter in the system that your brain is taking information from. There's tension here, tension there. Um, if you then try and highlight something like, okay, we need more hamstring then you're already getting so much information, it's really hard to feel that hamstring mm. and, and control it. So I start people like laying on their back, heels on top of something where they can feel nothing going on in their body, everything's totally relaxed, but that hamstring. So sure. get rid of the clutter, learn to sense what you need more of. Once you've got that, then we start adding challenges and other planes of motion and you can build on the things that you can actually feel and control and then your brain starts to learn, oh, this is a new strategy, ba this works well. Basically saying that the how important the posterior chain is, the backside of your body. She's a pretty, if for you, that's a, that's the petrol for the engine. Uh, it's just a, what I find is commonly either undertrained or doesn't have good control. People don't have good control. Do you control think that's there. because of the area of where we are? Basically a seated employment community? I think it exaggerates it a bit for sure. Um, but I think a lot of these, like I'm talking about this kind of postural compensation and these um, states your body can get into that are causing stress. A lot of that too is just a reaction to the body's anatomy and it's not symmetrical. Yeah. So you can get really pulled into these asymmetrical compensation patterns. And, and then the stress you have in life just throws gas on that fire. Yeah, interesting. So sitting at a desk is a huge one, you know, sports, injuries, that sort of stuff. So your, you might, your ethos has then influenced me, which is, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're working really well together and we, we, we look at things differently at times, which is just so lovely. But I've now started to have my brand new clients. Uh, as we talk about, Sean and I screen them and then the red flags, you dive into that. Mm -hmm. But I've actually, yesterday I started, because of this, yesterday for a brand new client, I asked him to hit, can he hit three fades and three draws? Yeah. And he certainly couldn't. Yeah. But it wasn't a way to make him feel bad. It was just a way for his brain to acknowledge that's a pretty simple task to hit a fade. Yeah. And it's a very simple task to hit a draw. If yeah. you actually look at the math, and certainly with my style of teaching, I certainly 1000% don't teach a method. I teach the math. Yeah. And this is kind of where I differ from, from, you know, someone says, who's that great teacher? I don't believe you can be a great golf instructor unless you understand physiology because you mm -hmm. can't teach a rotation-based sport, in my opinion, unless you know what rotates. Yeah. But I just do it a little differently. And every golf shot ball flight from a bunker to a putt to a pitch or to a fade, to a draw, to a chip and run has math associated. Yeah. And the math is face, path, face must be less than path and low point. Yeah. And so I kind of work backwards. I'm like, well, for this young chap yesterday, he came in as a guy who spun his shoulders and hit outside in. Okay. Yep. His clubs were about an inch offset. Did the clubs create his outside in cut 
or did he have an outside in cut and he gravitated towards the offset golf clubs? Yeah, knows, chicken and egg cares? situation there, yeah. So we got him out of the offset. We've got him into an old set of Mizuno blades that are coming. We ordered them yesterday. So this young chap, all we did was say, well, what math does this young guy need to hit to hit a draw? Yeah. And we talked about it. And then for him, because his torso spun as a left-hander, we never talk lefty. So this chap's thoracic spine rotated faster than his hips opened. So in layman's terms, his shoulders were pointing to first base if he's standing on a diamond on a home plate. His natural tendency was to point his shoulders to first base as a left-hander, which made the club come outside in, which put a big cut. And I said, Brody, just point your shoulders left of third base. And he hit these butter draws. The kid plays mm -hmm. off five. He's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. So he's 12 playing off five, and we'll get him down to scratch hopefully this year. And it was just his brain going, oh, if I hit it to third base, which feels like my shoulders are 45 degrees to the left of a straight line yeah. target. And in actual fact, they weren't. So it's funny how getting the brain back to pitches is basically what you're saying in a nutshell of the brain maybe potentially is the biggest muscle that you're going to work on. Yeah, super important. And it's just the control center. So I think especially in golf, it's, it's a great example is, you know, your downswing's happening in like a quarter of a second, right? So... Uh, if you need to generate speed, power, all of that in a quarter of a second, your brain's going to do what it knows. So it's really hard to break a pattern you're used to in that short period of time. So you've really got to go down, you know, go back to kind of basics, rebuild the system up. So when it's in that scenario again, it has a whole new strategy that it's really comfortable with and you grew. So, okay, so how about yeah. time? And golfers saying, well, wow, I don't have a ton of time. How much time are we talking here? So it depends for everybody. Uh, and that's where, for me, the, the thing that's super important with people is as you do it, you start to learn how to feel what's going on. You start to um, find a couple of things that really work well for addressing your issues. And then you know, okay, I had a long flight like you're going to have coming up and, and I want to go play some golf. I tend to get tight here or have stress here. When I feel that, I know I can do this thing or that thing that are going to address it. And the changes actually happen rather quickly. So when it comes to neurological, if there's not a, like a pathology, so a structural issue or injury, something like that, then you can change the strategy really fast. Mm. Your brain, you know, switches just like that. Now, sometimes there's some tightness you develop that you need to break through to really get it to stick, but you can start moving differently in 30 seconds. Oh, I love that. I was so proud. We had a pretty full-on week last week. This place has gone ballistic this year. And G, Garrett. Yeah. comes in and there's people hitting balls everywhere and he comes in and just lays on the floor for 20 minutes yeah it was i was so happy and that's kind of how all this started yeah and uh i i get it I and, and the goal is you know i always joke with people like i i don't want you to be laying on the floor all the time but sometimes you have to start there to get rid of all the clutter so then you can build a new strategy yeah, quite the, the noise up. yeah and then eventually, like you want your training and, and the stuff you do to look more like golf and be throwing weights around and all of that. But when your brain has a good strategy to do it, then you can just build and build and build and you won't feel any discomfort. I like Nick Dunlop. Yeah. He's got a he's got a six foot putt for a PGA Tour win. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure his caddy, to your point, said, mate, it's quite the noise. It's yeah. just six foot. Not a putt. It's just a putt. Yeah. And he handled it that way. It'd be really easy to think of it as something, you know, more than that, which technically I guess it was. But uh just a day in the office. What I love about what we're bringing to the table here, SJ, is that we're trying to quiet the noise from a club point of view, gear effect, from a instruction point of view. It's just math. Yeah. Face must be less than path. That is irrefutable. 
So I said to this young family yesterday, I said, I promise you that my job is to stay out of this kid's way and also just relate everything to face less than path. Yeah. Everything we do in here is a down towards the goal of how is this getting the golfer to have his or her face less than path. And I love people hitting it as physically hard as they can. Yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely and I think that, ripper. you know, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, when I'm working with people, I have my kind of objective measurements that tell us, okay, how is the body moving? What can it do? What can it? But, um, you know, if it's down to the, the, the physics of hitting a golf ball, then everyone has a different setup with their body. I've not seen two clients ever that are the exact same. So they need the same math and physics of the, the environment the yeah. of the club and the ball and all of that. But their body is going to get there a little bit differently, everybody. So um, it, it leaves room where not everyone needs to swing a club the same way in here because that will just never work. But yeah. if the math works and we kind of help their body do it the way that works best for their physiology, then and happy days. Look, golfers, I strongly suggest you don't jump down the, the whole Instagram golf path. But if you look at these golf instructors who tell you that it's the secret secret move, it's just a lot of crap. It's basically mathematics. What do I need my body to physiologically do to produce face less than path? Yeah. It's, it's pretty simple. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, if we can help you understand that, then uh, you can take it to the course and you'll know how to adjust too. So why don't we, yeah. we end this with, uh, you're about to scream me. Yeah. Haven't done it for a while. Uh, and I am fascinated to yeah. what you find. So again, I've, dislocated both my knees a good 40 yeah. 45 times and both my shoulders and disgeneration in l4 l5 however i'm fitter at 48 than i am at 22 so which is awesome yeah is and so i know we'll come back and talk about this next week so let's so, talk next tuesday yeah so i know just real quick to give everyone a little preview you know you mentioned a couple of things in your golf swing you really don't like i can't uh, what stand are you curious or what would you like to change in your golf swing all right let's see if we can tie that back to your physiology love that so number one would be my lack of thoracic extension. So your thoracic spine, which is your upper part of your spine, I've got pretty good rotation. Mm -hmm. uh, dislocating both my shoulders means that, I mean, I work my scap stability every single day, but it means I'm a little tight, but it's not bad. Yeah. But I cannot stand how I look through impact. So very quickly post impact, yeah. my chin gets in front of my belt buckle and I'm in this forward bend position. Okay. So I would love to be able to hold thoracic extension through impact. Okay. So if you look at so Will's more like your belt buckle underneath your upper body. I want my chin behind my belt buckle. Okay. Gotcha. As I finish my golf swing. Sure. It's it's in extension at impact. Uh -huh. But as soon as my hands get to about parallel to the ground post impact, yeah. I start to lean forward because I lack that extension and rotation. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We'll see if we, you know what we find makes sense of why that and is. And I'd like to posterior tilt more. Cool. But they okay. go hand in hand. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'll, we'll, so I've got to get we'll my big booty next week and under we'll, me. We'll see what we find and we'll let you guys know. Beauty golfers, look, thanks for listening to Pivot the Path. And remember, your on-course golf enjoyment starts with the work you put into your entire game. You absolutely can own your swing. I'm going to own my swing better next yep. Tuesday. So keep swinging. Keep playing. Yep, hit them well. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Cheers.